Job Band. Um, so we are starting a new series on prayer, as Darby said. And the, uh, the best indicator of your spiritual growth, how spiritually mature you actually are, is not how much you know about the Bible or how much you know about God. Because you can know a lot of things and not know God at all. Amen. And it's not how much you do, because you can be busy doing a lot of things, and you can be doing those for your own applause or for your own ambition rather than for God. In fact, in the next life, it won't matter how much we know about God because we'll be with God. We won't be sitting around debating, is God like this or this? We'll just be there. And we won't be doing things with him. We'll simply be with him. And so I think the best indicator of your spiritual maturity is how much you enjoy being in the presence of Jesus. Not how much you know or how much you do, how much you enjoy being with Jesus. And your prayer life is going to reveal that. How much do you enjoy sitting in the presence of Jesus? And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a whole series of questions about prayer, like, why isn't my prayer answered? Why does it seem that sometimes you pray and God instantly does something, and other times you pray and it feels like you're talking to no one and it's going nowhere? Uh, we're going to talk about things like, does someone who doesn't follow Jesus, is their prayer heard by God? We're going to talk about a lot of these questions people have about prayer. But I thought if we're going to start off, we need to just start off with some basic fundamentals like what is prayer, right? That's a real simple one you would think, but we might have some misunderstandings about what prayer actually is. And I think some of our misunderstandings about what prayer is comes from the way we talk about the central theme of the Bible, that Jesus is our Savior. That's the central message. He came into the world, he lived a perfect life, he died in our place, and he invites us to become followers of him, to live and love like he did, and he sends his Holy Spirit into our lives to empower us to live the supernatural life that he lived. So we know that Jesus is Savior, and that's the central message of the Bible, we call it the Gospel. But Jesus isn't just Savior. When we think of Savior, we're thinking of something that he's doing for us. He's rescuing us from sin, from this self-destructive tendency to choose what's best for us rather than what's best for others, to choose what's selfish rather than what's holy. But he's also family. The Bible describes him not only as Savior, he says, if you have become a follower of Jesus, you're now co-heirs with Jesus. You're sons and daughters of the Most High God. See, when we think of Jesus simply as Savior, we think, he's doing stuff for me. And sometimes we come to prayer with that same attitude, and we're like, prayer's all about God doing stuff for me. But he's also family. And family's not just about having people do stuff for you. It's about being with people who love you and are loved, and being in fellowship and in community. So prayer is not just asking for things from God. Really, that's what we make it at its uh, at its worst is we say, I want stuff from God. That's prayer, demanding things from God. At our best, we say it's talking at God. But really prayer, at the central, if you drill down to what the core element of prayer is, it is being in the presence of God, both talking and listening, practicing the very presence of God, being in the presence of Jesus, listening for his voice, speaking to him, telling him about what's going on in your life, sharing with him, and, yes, making requests. 
I think if we're honest, most of us think about prayer, and we've been taught about prayer like we were taught about Santa Claus. Now, if you're listening to this and you still believe in Santa Claus, uh, I'll try not to uh, ruin your dreams too much. But most of us think about Santa Claus as a kid as we go and we sit on his lap, and that is our short window to tell him what we want, and then we wait until Christmas and we see if Santa actually gets us what we asked for. That's how most of us have been taught about prayer, that it's this time where we go to God and we say, this is what I need. I want, you know, uh, I want a Nerf gun and I want this board game and I want a Lego set. And then you wait till Christmas and if you're good, then you get what you want. And many times our prayer lives look the same way. We think we go to God and we say, God, this is what I want. This is my Christmas list. And then we try to be good and maybe he'll give us that. That's a completely wrong idea about prayer. And so what I want to start off with tonight is simply what is the purpose of prayer? What is the point? Why do we do it? What is the purpose of praying? I was down in Tennessee and I was leading this small group for people who had just started coming to church or didn't have a church background or just started to explore following Jesus. And there was this guy in my class and he says, I'm praying for my friend who has cancer. And I said, that's great. You know, it's his first time starting to pray. And we're praying together. He's praying for her. Well, after a couple of months, she passes away. And he comes to me and he goes, that was the biggest waste of my time. He spent, he's like, I spent 10, 15 minutes a day praying for my friend not to die. And I wasted that time because she died. God's just going to do whatever he wants. So what's the point of praying? And I think many of us look at prayer that way. We're like, if I pray and God's just going to do whatever he wants anyways, what's the point of even talking to him? If he's not going to give me what I want, why would I even talk to him? Now, imagine if you took that attitude with your parents, or with the person that you're dating, or with anyone in your life, right? But many times with God, we're like, God, if you're not going to give me what I want, why would I talk to you? If you're not going to meet my needs and my demands, why would I talk to you? So what is the purpose of the prayer if the purpose of prayer isn't just to get what we want? And tonight we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. We're going to flesh out some of these concepts over the next few weeks. But this is what John says. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So there's a lot to unpack here in these two simple verses. First of all, he starts out by talking about this confidence that we have. We can come to God in confidence. We can bring to him what's going on to our life in confidence. Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Jesus and through faith in him, we may enter God's presence with boldness and confidence. The Bible describes seraphim, these heavenly beings. They're living flames is how the Bible describes them. And they're all around the throne of God. And it says that they have six wings, and with two wings they fly, and two wings they cover their body, and two wings they cover their faith, face because they dare not look at God. And it says for eternity past and into eternity future, they simply praise God around the throne, but they don't even dare look at him because he is so holy and so powerful and so beautiful. They say we're not worthy to even look at the God that we worship. Do you realize that these beings that could kill us with a whisper, they cannot approach God like we can. They can't walk up to God with confidence, but we can. When we pray, 
It's not just sitting on an old man's lap with a fake beard and a red suit saying, this is what I want. We're walking into the presence of the most beautiful, most incredible, powerful being in existence. And we can walk boldly up to him and say, hey, Dad, here's what's going on in my life. There's no other being in existence that can approach God like we can. And I think most of us think very little about prayer. We engage very little in prayer because we think it's just about getting what I want. And how we approach God is not with confidence, not with this holy reverence that, oh my goodness, no other being in existence gets to talk to God like we do. Instead, we're like, man, he didn't give me what I want. Boy, I wasted that 15 minutes praying. Or, if we're honest, 30 seconds praying. Two minutes praying. But we can walk into the presence of God with confidence, knowing that he's going to both listen to us, and we have the right and privilege in Jesus to walk right up to the throne of God. And then you notice it says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What God wants us to ask for is things that are good for us, good for other people, and good for the world that he created. I love the old uh, comic strip. This is going to date myself here. But uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Does anybody remember Calvin and Hobbes? He was a little boy with spiky hair. He had an imaginary tiger. And uh, it was in the newspapers during the 90s. And I loved it as a kid. And Calvin would always write out these crazy Christmas lists. And he would ask for stuff like tomahawk missile flamethrower. You know, he always wanted these weapons and the crazy things. And he's a six-year-old kid. If a six-year-old kid got a flamethrower, it wouldn't be good. I have some nephews and uh, they're like uh, 10, 11, 12 in that range range now. They are crazy. And so I was watching my youngest nephew one day and he says, you know what I really want? A bow and arrow. I was like, oh, I can make a bow and arrow. So we went out and we got a limb, and uh, I put some string on it, and I made him a little arrow, and, you know, I was like, this is awesome. We're having a good time. As soon as I hand it to him, he turns to me and shoots me with an arrow. Like, he's just self-destructive. You don't give a kid a weapon, right? And I think a lot of times we pray for things and we ask for things that God says, that's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for other people, and it's not going to be good for my world. And so I'm going to say no to that. He says, my will is not him saying, here's what I want, and everyone get on board. His will is the best will. It's the best thing for us, the best thing for others, and the best thing for our world. And just like a parent longs for their kid to mature and stop wanting a pacifier and start wanting books, God longs for our prayers to mature and us stop asking for things that are childish, things that we needed when we were young in our faith, and start asking for things that help us to grow in our faith. You know, no parent looks at a baby and says, how dare you want a pacifier? Here's a book on algebra. You know, but you expect when they're immature to want immature things. But what God longs to see in your life and in my life is for us to mature in our desires and our prayers to begin to align with his. Because what God wants is what's best for us, what's best for others, and what's best for our world. And he wants our prayers to begin to reflect that. Now, a lot of us, if you've been around church at all, you've either grown up in church or you've been around Christians, you'll know that we usually end our prayers like this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
And it's almost like if we forget to say it, we're like, oh man, we got to go back and tack that on. Because if you don't end your prayer with that, somehow it's not a full prayer. And I've even heard people, you know, they like say amen, and then they're like, oh, in Jesus' name, amen. Like, oh man, we better not forget that. you got to tack that on. So what does the Bible mean when it talks about praying in Jesus' name? It doesn't mean this is how you end every prayer. What it means is you're praying in the place of Jesus. If Jesus was here in this moment with us, physically, and we said, Jesus, this is the situation, what would he pray for? What would he ask for? How would Jesus pray in this situation in your life? What would Jesus pray for this person? And it changes how you pray because it's no longer about what you want, demanding from God and saying, God, come over here and do what I want. Most of the time, that's how we think about prayer. Like, if I pray the right way, or I hold my mouth right, or I say the right words, I can force God to do what I want. I can force his power to change these things that I want. Instead, what he wants to train us to do is to pray like Jesus would pray. To pray for the Father's will. Over and over again in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus says, Not my will, but yours, Father. This is the Father's will, he prays over and over again. And that's exactly what he wants us to pray for. When we pray in Jesus' name, it means we're asking for what Jesus would want in this moment of time, in this place. What does Jesus want in this situation in my life? What does Jesus want in this community, in this city, in this church, in this workplace? Prayer is asking for, for what Jesus would want, not demanding what we want. And I think most of us, if we've been around church and we've been around Christians, or we've just been around American culture, most of us think prayer is about God giving us what we want instead of us aligning with God to ask for what he wants. For some strange reason, God in his sovereignty, there's sometimes he wants to do things in our world, but he waits till we ask. He wants to do some things in your life, but he waits till you ask. He wants to do some things in our church, but he waits until we ask. He wants to do some things in our city and our nation and our world, but he says, it's your world. And I'm going to respect you, and I want you to ask. I'm going to wait until you ask me to move. And he says, there's things I want to do, things that are good for you and good for others and good for the world, but I want you to ask first. And so prayer is coming into the presence of God and saying, what is Jesus like? What would Jesus want? And then asking for that. See, prayer is spending time with God so much so that we begin to align our desires with his desires. We begin to want what he would want. We begin to ask for what he would ask for. And then he says this crazy thing. He says, we know that if we do this, we ask for something that is in his will, then he hears what we ask. And we know if he hears us, we have what we've asked of him. It's not saying that God is deaf unless we ask for the right things. He always hears us, but it means hearing with an intention to act. See, God is sitting eagerly on the edge of his throne, waiting for you and I to ask for something that's going to be good for us, good for others, and good for the world. He's waiting eagerly for you to do that because he wants to act in your life, in your church, in your community, in your city, and nation, and world. And he's like, please ask me for something that's going to be good for you, and good for others, and good for the world, because I want to work. He's eagerly listening and waiting for you to ask for something that's going to be something that he can do willingly and joyfully because it is good. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of things are we asking of God? 
Are, is it the things that Jesus would ask for? Or is it things that, well, it would make my life more comfortable and more easy and more convenient? Are we asking for what Jesus would want? Or are we asking for what our culture would want or what our comfort would want? And so I want to end today with two simple challenges. And then we're going to end with a time of prayer. The first challenge is I want you to take the next seven days from here until next Sunday. And every time you pray, I want you to only pray for things that you're sure Jesus would pray for. What would Jesus want to pray about your workplace situation? What would Jesus want to pray about your neighborhood? What would Jesus want to pray about your home life? What would Jesus want to pray about the greatest grief in your heart? What would Jesus pray for your city and your nation and your world? What I find is many times people who say they follow Jesus have rarely ever seen an answered prayer because they've rarely ever asked a prayer that Jesus would have prayed. They pray for selfish things. That's almost the way that we're taught to pray, to pray for what we want rather than what he wants. What I find is I see God answer prayer most often when I ask prayers that align with what Jesus would ask for. So for the next seven days, I want to give you a challenge. Every time you pray, think about what would Jesus ask for? What would Jesus want? What would Jesus, if he was right here speaking physically into this moment, what would he pray for? And then pray for that. That's how our prayers should begin to align our desires with God. So that's our first challenge. The second challenge is prayer doesn't begin with words. If you've ever been randomly called on to pray, uh, I've been in some larger churches where like occasionally it'd be the end of the service and they're like, hey, by the way, Alex, why don't you close us in prayer? And you're all of a sudden like, oh man, words. And you're trying to think of like God, Father, Jesus. You know, and you've, you've probably heard some people pray and they're like, Godfather, thank you. Thank you, Godfather. And Godfather, uh, please. And you're like, is this the mob? Like, what are you praying about right now? But you know where they just repeat something because they're nervous and they don't know. And I think most of us, we approach prayer and we start with a word or we start with words rather than an image. And I think prayer starts with an image in our mind before it starts with any words. Think about what is it like to stand in God's presence? Because that's what you're doing. When you pray in the spiritual realm, you're standing in the presence of the most powerful, beautiful, creative being in the universe, and you're talking to him. See, I think sometimes we get so busy with words, we jump ahead with what we're going to say, we don't take time for us to think about an image. What does God look like? You know, some people, uh, if you're not from a Christian background, you'll say, so Alex, how is prayer different than meditation? Meditation is trying to empty your mind. Prayer is trying to fill your mind with Jesus. And you start that with an image of a thought. Who are you talking to? What does he look like? What does Jesus look like? We're going to end in a time of prayer. And what I want you to do is just close your eyes for a minute. And I'm going to read to you from Revelation chapter 4. This is what it looks like in heaven. If you just want to close your eyes for a minute, I want you to imagine this. I saw a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne. He was covered in gem hues of amber, and there was a flame like a rainbow of emerald. Twenty-four smaller thrones circled his throne, and twenty-four people seated white robe and gold throne. Lightning flashed, and thunder crashed, 
pulsating from the throne. And there were seven blazing torches right in front of the throne. And before the throne, it was like a clear crystal sea. Now, prowling around the throne were these four creatures, and they were all eyes. Eyes to look ahead and eyes to look behind. And the first creature looked like a lion, and the second one like an ox, and the third had like a human face. The fourth was like an eagle in flight. And these four creatures were winged, each with six wings. And they were all eyes, and they saw everywhere, and they saw everything. And this is what they chanted day and night. Holy, holy, holy is God our master. He is sovereign strong. The was, the is, the coming. And every time the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the age after age living one, the 24 people on the smaller thrones fall prostrate before the one seated on the throne and they worship the age after age living one. They throw their crowns forward at the foot of the throne and they chant, Worthy, O Master, yes, our God. Take the glory, take the honor, take the power. You created it all. It was created because you wanted it. Now this is the God that you stand before when you pray. This is the God that you can walk up to and say, Papa, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I'm at. This is the God of the universe. And for just a moment, quietly where you are, I want you to just hold this image in your mind, and I want you to talk to the God of the universe. I want you to talk to Jesus. Join in the chorus of eternity that he is holy, holy, holy. The God who is and was and always will be. we are overwhelmed that we can come into your presence and we're not thrown out because of our mistakes or our failures or our sins but instead you say son come here and you welcome us to the throne and you pull us up onto your lap and you invite us to share with you the burdens of our hearts and the dreams of our hearts God forgive us for so often talking to everyone spewing words out onto the internet so much more often than we come into your presence and walk up to you and bring to you our requests and bring to you praise and just enjoy being with you. God, may we be a church not just of knowledge and not just of doing, but a church who delights in being with you. And I pray these things. I believe Jesus would pray. Amen.